Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we return to the listener library for a suggestion from our mysterious listener, Chris Tapps. Chris Tapps writes, I'm surprised that you haven't done the Lights Out classic Come to the Bank. It cropped up on tapes in the 80s and 90s when I first heard old-time radio shows. It might be a little over-the-top and tropey, but it's good fun. I'd love to hear your take on it. Lights Out was created by writer Willis Cooper in 1934 and quickly gained a reputation as the goriest, most shocking program on the air. Cooper left Lights Out in 1936 to pursue a screenwriting career. Years later, he would return to radio and create another legendary series, Quiet Please. NBC hired a young writer-director named Arch Obler to replace Cooper. Obler wasted no time making the show his own, writing over 100 Lights Out plays over the course of two years. It was during his tenure on Lights Out that Obler developed many of his signature storytelling techniques, stream of consciousness, dialogue repetition, metafictional humor, and the blending of the fantastical and the political. Lights Out ended in 1938, but the show was revived again for a brief run in 1942. Obler would return to Lights Out many times during his career, including the 1962 album Drop Dead and the 1970s syndicated radio series The Devil and Mr. O. Obler's penchant for reusing his Lights Out plays make authenticating original broadcast dates difficult. Regardless, please enjoy Come to the Bank, likely from Obler's second Lights Out run, circa 1942. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Obler bringing you another in our series of stories of the unusual. And once again, we caution you, these Lights Out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. And now, come to the bank. Please, would you come to the bank with me? Please. I've asked so many people, but they won't listen to me. You, will you come to the bank with me? No, don't turn your head. Please don't go away. Listen, if I tell you very carefully why I want you to come to the bank with me, you will come, won't you? He's locked up in there. He can't get any air. You know, don't get excited. I didn't say he was locked up in the vault. All they've got in their vault is money. I don't care about money. All I care about is him. I, I didn't mean to tell you. All right, I did. You've got to come to the bank with me and help me. It's Fred Roth. He's in the bank and he can't get out. What are you laughing about? That's not so funny. I tell you, he's in the bank and he can't get out. He's been in there for... I think it's three weeks. 
you to stop laughing. Please listen to me. I'll tell you all about it from the start. I'm a school teacher. At the Matson High School, I teach physics. It's a rational science. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Mr. Ross teaches in the same school. Psychology. The way of the human mind. But that's not an exact science, is it? The human mind is not exact at all. And that started it. That's what started it. Mr. Ross said to me... Well, speaking quite frankly and candidly, Miss Moss, I don't think very much of your exact sciences. Two and two always add up to four, Mr. Ross. Not where the human mind is concerned. I don't understand. Well, it is my profound conviction that the potentialities of the human mind and body have never been realized by any human creature. But there have been great men. Plato... Lincoln, so many scientists. Yes, but only fractional greatness. Using perhaps one-tenth of the power latent within themselves. It's all a matter of concentration. Thomas Edison used perhaps one iota more concentration than the average man and became one of the great inventors of all times. I tell you, Miss Moss, if men would concentrate their minds to the limit, the universe would be theirs. That's a very innocent start, isn't it? Just a teacher talking about the human mind. I thought nothing of it. Mr. Roth was such an intense young man. I... I liked his intensity. Just think what could happen if a man could bring his mind to the proper point of concentration. He could move objects with his mind. Yes, why not? Think that a table should move, and it would move. Uh, Mr. Roth. No. Think that he wanted to be a certain place, and it would be there. Men conceive this civilization just by a thought, and here it is. All is power of thought over matter. A man thinks a book before the book exists. He thinks a house, and only then the house can be. All is power of mind over matter. I like to watch his eyes while he talked. They were so bright and burning. And his mouth as he talked. The way it twisted... I couldn't help liking Mr. Roth, could I? We had dinner together once. Uh, will you have uh, coffee with your dinner or later? No, uh, what did you say? The waiter wanted to know if you wanted coffee with your dinner. Oh, no, no coffee. No, we miss you. Very nice of you to have dinner with me, Mr. Roth. Well, on the contrary, I, I'm grateful to you. You're a, a very good listener. Thank you. I've done a great deal of work in the week since I last talked to you. Have you? Please tell me. Well, it isn't exactly work. It's, it's more of a decision. Yes? Yes, I, I've come to the decision to stop theorizing. Yes, I've decided to put what I believe into practice. I don't know what you mean. Well, it's quite simple. The powers of concentration. I've decided to put uh, into practice... Uh, the uh, fruit juice is for the lady. Well, oh, yes, yes, for the lady. Uh, uh, concentration, Miss Moss. I've decided to put into practice my theory of concentration. I don't want to anticipate, but I expect wonderful results, Miss Moss. I might even say unbelievable results. Unbelievable results. Oh, must I tell you more? Please, come with me to the bank. All right, all right, I'll tell you the rest. The day after he talked to me in the restaurant, Mr. Roth didn't come to school. I know that because at lunchtime he wasn't in his usual place in the cafeteria. And when I asked, they told me that he suddenly had taken leave of absence and that an extra teacher was taking over his classes. I was very disappointed. A week went by, two weeks, 
I decided to go see him. I took a few days off from my work. I found out his home number. Friday morning, I bought a new dress. Very becoming one. Then I went to visit Mr. Roth. I was certain he wouldn't be angry with me. It's perfectly proper that I call on him as a friend. Yes, yes. Mr. Roth is at home. Uh, he has the two back rooms. He has not been out of there for a week. Won't even let me go in to clean up. You go right ahead. Head to the staircase and to the right. Mr. Roth, are you in there? It's Miss Mara. Could I speak to you for a moment? Standing there knocking, I suddenly realized that the door was ajar. Was he... But he didn't answer, and yet the landlord had said he was at home. I pushed the door open farther and glanced through the opening. <gasps> Mr. Roth! Your face, the way you look, what? No. Water. Glass. Oh, yes. Water. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you, you are sick. I'm not sick. Water. Here, yeah, drink it. I'll hold it. Doctor. I'll call a doctor. No. No, wait. But you're ill. Listen to me. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not sick. Well, then what? I told you. Well, I don't know. I... I... I've been sitting here for a week. Sitting for a week. Concentration. Practicing concentration. Concentration. The experiment was most successful. Yeah, most successful. I've proven that I can do what some of the Orientals profess to do. Slow down through concerted willpower the essential life processes. A week without food and water. Is that not a triumph, Miss Morris? Well, I, I don't know. Mr. Roth, why do you do these things? Uh, I'm trying to explain it to you simply. The human thoughts are like the rays of the sun spreading in all directions. By the use of a lens... The rays of the sun can be focused on one point. And instead of warmth, uh, there is a focal point of intense light that can burn its way through all obstacles. And so it is with human thoughts. If, through concentration, a man could focus them on one point, he would be a god among men. I tell you, Miss Moss, that, that I am confident that I, through training can become that one man in a million. Even even as muscles can be trained, so I am training my mind. And the day when my training is complete, I will be able to do anything I desire. You hear me? Anything. 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 When he said that, thin and weak and tired as he was, his eyes looked at me. I was afraid. For him. I made up my mind right then. The first thing was to get him out of that room. He ate, rested, and then went out with me. I don't see why I let you talk me into this, Miss Moss. I have so much work to do. The walk will do you good. But 
Where are we going? Well, first, I want you to come to the bank with me. I beg your pardon? Well, you see, I, I've been thinking of taking a little vacation, and I need some money. Going to withdraw some. Oh, oh I see. I, I, too, want to get off some place where I can concentrate. Oh, yes. Yes, most important. Yes. Uh, have you thought about going out to the country? These buildings, Miss Moss. Look at them. Steel and concrete. So firm and so solid. So enduring. You know something, Miss Moss? Walking so fast, I... Once upon a time, they were only an idea in man's mind. Perhaps even now they have no solidity, but are, are just ideas hanging in air through which a man with single-mindedness of purpose could walk as easily as if he were walking through air. Do you understand me, Miss Moss? Well, I, I'm not sure. The country would be a wonderful place to work. Now, wouldn't it, Mr. Ross? We went into the bank. He kept talking about the powers of concentration. I hardly listened to him. All I could think about was that somehow I had to get him into a new environment. Before the building where the bank was, we went in. People, elevators. Suddenly, Mr. Roth stopped. He stared at the wall. I said... Mr. Roth! Mr. Roth, what are you looking at? This. This is the time. Time? Time for what? I told you. When my subconscious reached the proper point of incubation, I would know that my powers had reached the point where... I could do anything. Mr. Ross, anything. please, let's go. Well, this is the time. Now, I must make use of that power now. No, please, what are you going to do? That marble wall, straight ahead. I say I can walk through it. No, please, stop joking. I will. I will. I will walk through it. No, Mr. Ross, come back. Don't. Ah! Mr. Ross, Mr. Ross. What? The wall, no. What? Mr. Roth! Mr. Roth, he walked through the wall! You hear me? He walked through the wall! They're smug and self-certain, don't you? It couldn't have happened. But listen, you thing had mind, I tell you it did. I saw it with my own eyes. Mr. Roth walked right toward that marble wall and he went into it and then he was gone. You hear me? Gone. But I, I mustn't call you names and make you angry, must I? Because you must come to the bank with me. Yes, yes I'll tell you more of just what happened on that day. Oh, I, I never heard of such a... Now, look, lady, take it easy. Get out of my way. The wall, he walked through that wall. I tell you, he, I tell you he walked through that wall. For sake, please. He said he did, he did do it. He walked through that wall. Concrete face with marble. You'd better go home and stop disturbing the peace. Go to the door, Riggins. So they put me out. I stood in the street. I didn't know what to do. And then I knew. I would wait there until Mr. Roth came back. And he would come back. He'd gone through the wall and he must have come out on the other side. 
And now he would walk around the building and come back and make me fast. So I waited. Good night, George. See you in the morning. I waited a long time. Are you waiting for something, lady? The bank's closed, you know. I've seen you standing here ever since I got on my beat, so I thought I'd talk to you. A long time. It began to rain. I stood there in the rain. Mr. Roth. And what a terrible thought. What is he? I went to the door of the bank building. It was locked. Let me in. Please, let me in. Listen to me. Just let me in, Mr. Roth. I've got to get to Mr. Roth. Hey, lady, what? what don't you know the bank's been closed for hours? I've got to get in. I've got to. I've now, got to get in. Now, take it easy, you. Hey, aren't you the one that's been standing out hey, here? Let go of me. Mr. Roth is in there. Now, lady. I will get in. Hey, the door. Let go of me. Now, Mr. Roth. Like I will this. get in. I'll get this sword. I will get in. Kicking the door in. Oh, now you come along with me. Oh, no. I didn't get in to see Mr. Ross that night. No. Order in the court. Order in the court. Prisoner will be held for further examination. Next case. I tried to tell them, Mr. Ross, but no one would listen to me. All night. And the next terrible day, no one would listen. Now tell me, do you have dreams, Miss Marsh? Asking me questions over and over. Do you think that people dislike you? Over and over. Have you often seen Mr. Roth or other people disappear? Over and over. When did you first begin to have these uh, hallucinations? But when I tried to tell them about Mr. Roth, they started to say terrible things to me. The fact of the matter is, Mr. Roth has disappeared. It is the opinion of the police that he decamped with this woman's money. Yes, took her money and ran off. Yes, took her money and ran off. I didn't care what they said. I had to get to the bank. You know why? Mr. Roth had started for the war and I had seen him go through it and he hadn't come around to meet me. So there was only one answer. He was still in the war. And while Mr. Roth was in the war, they were keeping me in this hospital. I had to get out. How are you resting now, Miss Moss? Miss Moss, where? Window. Nurse, the woman in this room. She's gone. Out of the window. Nurse, nurse, Miss Moss is gone. Got away. In the street. Still raining. I ran along the dark streets until I was at the bank. Closed. There was a dark doorway, another building. I hid in the dark and waited all through the night until morning, until they opened the doors of the bank. I walked toward the wall. That wall. I wanted to run to it, but I I walked. And I was there. The very wall he'd gone into. Mr. Ross. Mr. Ross. Are you in there? It's it's Miss Moss. Ada Moss. Mr. Ross, please, if you're in there, answer me. They'll see me standing here by the wall talking, and they won't let me stand here. Mr. Ross, please, I've got my ear close to the wall. If you're in there, answer me. I was right. You did walk into the wall and stay there. Yes, yes, but what are you saying? I, I can't understand you. Please, Mr. Ross, speak so I can understand you. Yes, yes, I understand. I will get you out of there. Help! Help! There's a man in the wall. Help me get him out. Mr. Ross, you here? I'll get you help. Hurry, people! Bring out! 
Oh, Mr. Robson, the wolf! They put me back in the hospital. They didn't believe me. They didn't help Mr. Ross. I was very sick. I don't know how many days I was in the hospital. Then I was all right. They let me out. And this is your last warning, Miss Moss. You are to stay away from the bank. You are to behave yourself as a good, intelligent citizen you normally are. Your last warning, Miss Moss. And all the time, Mr. Roth was in that war, waiting for me to help him. And there was a little time left. A man such as Mr. Roth, powers of concentration. He could and did perform a miracle, walking through a war. But even conserving his strength and breath and the way he said, slowing down the vital life processes. How long do you think he could live entombed in that wall? I had to get to him. But when I walked by the bank hiding in the crowd so they, they wouldn't see me, I saw that there was a policeman there. They put a policeman there just to keep me out. I had to figure out some way to get in there. Tell Mr. Ross to keep alive that I was working to help him. I had to figure out a way. There was a store across the street. A store selling paints. That was the answer. Something for cleaning? Uh, of course, madam. Uh, how much do you think you'll need? Oh, I suggest a pint. Uh, we have it here in bulk. Open it? Sure, sure. Hey, see, it's standard cleaning fluid. It, uh, uh, lady, no, uh, no, that match. Look out, don't, don't, it's inflammable. Don't. Help, fire. Grab that woman. She said fire to the store, fire. In a few moments, everyone was so busy that I was quite free to go into the bank. In a few seconds, my ear was against the wall. Mr. Roth, Mr. Roth, I, I'm back, I'm back. They, they tried to keep me away from me, but I'm back. Mr. Roth, can, can you hear me? Alive. Yes, still alive. Oh, Mr. Roth, what should I do? What? Yes, I will, I will. They won't stop me this time. Something, get something and turn on the wall. Fire axe, off the wall. Mr. Roth, look, look. If you could see, I got a fire axe. Could they help you? Could they help you? Will you get out? We'll get you out. Yes, I will get you out. The mob is cracking, Mr. Roth. I will get to you. Get me out to you. No one will stop me now. They don't want to help you. But I'm helping you. Give me that axe. Oh, no, you won't stop me. I'll get the help, Mr. Roth. Give me that axe. I'll give it to you. I'm locked up now. They locked me up. You've been my first visitor in weeks. Weeks. Do you know what that means? All these days, he's been in that war, holding himself alive with all his will. But sooner or later, if he thinks I'm not going to help him, he'll give up hope. And he'll lose his will to live. And suddenly he'll die. Do you hear me? He'll die. Please, please make him let me go and come and help me save Mr. Roth. If you don't help me, it will always be on your conscience, won't it? night when you're alone and you can't sleep, you'll open your eyes and you'll see Mr. Roth entombed in that wall. But it won't be Mr. Roth anymore. Just the bones of a man. Bones and dead, decaying flesh 
and worms and the, the skull will talk to you and ask you why didn't you help me so I ask you again please please won't you come to the bank was Lights Out and the episode Come to the Bank here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was brought to us from our mysterious listener, Chris Stapps, who wrote to us and said that he was surprised we hadn't done this yet. It was a classic, and I'll just start with this. Never heard it before. I didn't know of it, so this is my first time ever hearing it, and it was one of those also that was like, oh, I know that's out there. I just haven't gotten around to it, Mm -hmm. and I have a... 10, 15 of those that I know that people say, you should listen to that one. You know, I only have so much time. But this is one I didn't even know of. So thank you so much for bringing this uh, to us, Chris Stapps. I'm guessing a million bucks. Joshua had the cassette tape of this. (laughs) I did not, but I had it taped (laughs) off of when radio was. Uh, I'm Stan (laughs) Freeberg. I only bring up when radio was to give Eric the opportunity to go, <laughs> I'm Stan Freeberg. Because it's vaguely, sp- it's half Stan Freeberg, half the penguin. <laughs> I spent 10 years of my life. That was one of my jobs at the one of the radio stations was uploading when radio was mm-hmm. to the computer thingy. That's why I was in charge because that I knew the words. Technical things the like technical thingies. Things, thingies. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into this. I want to address... What Chris Tapp said when he said, it might be a little over-the-top and tropey, but it's good fun. Mm-hmm. I couldn't 100% more disagree with you. I don't find it over-the-top. I don't find it tropey. I find it magnificent. I will tell you, starting this conversation, the last thing I wrote on my notes was, God, I love this. This is my kind of old-time radio program. I enjoyed every second of this. Uh, the quizzical look on Joshua's face <laughs> is going to be great fun. Is the quizzical look like you didn't think I'd like it or you were not on board? I didn't think you'd like it. I don't have as strong of feelings toward it as you do. I would say it's a lesser Arch Obler script, but even his lesser scripts are A, entertaining, I think, and B, often really instructive about the thought process that goes into mm-hmm. creating horror for radio. And I think we've discussed this on other Arch Obler episodes of the podcast where he is a style over substance creator. And I mean that as just an objective observation, not necessarily a critique, because I think that's what makes him one of the most memorable creators of radio from the golden age is because he just knows how to scare people on the radio. This one, though, I think feels a little unfinished Hmm. to me. This feels like a first draft, but that's my critique of a lot of Obler stories. Ever since we read that anecdote about him lounging in bed with a dictaphone, (laughs) I always think, like, dude, you needed one more pass on the dictaphone. (laughs) And don't ever say that sentence again. (laughs) I can't promise, actually. I was thinking that 
if I had listened to this much earlier on in the podcast timeline, I might have been thinking that exact same thing of like, oh, it's some good ideas, but they didn't really come together. But now that I've heard quite a bit of Arch Obler, it's just, oh, it's Arch Obler. <laughs> oh, it's compelling ideas that are sort of half thought through, thrown together, and like six different stories happening at once. I love it. <laughs> I couldn't be on a different, more of a different page than either. First of all, at no point up until right now did it ever enter my head and make any difference that it was Arch Obler to me. I don't go, oh, there's Arch Obler, or that's that writing style, or again, because I'm just listening to things to see if they entertain me or not. It's the same thing with movies. I can't name movie stars, but I can point at someone and say, oh, I've seen them before in something directors of movies i don't have any idea but people can watch a movie and go oh that is so coppola and i'll go is it i don't know i just i like the movie or i don't so i don't have any conception or preconceived notion of arch obler as a writer at all period i don't pay attention to it all i know is this this is a cool story <laughs> have you ever read zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance 25 years ago yeah uh, I'm going to be really... Dao Poo, but... Dao Poo, right. Yes. I'm going to be very, very, very general and simplistic of, of that very complicated book. But one of the, the stories in it is the fact that Persig, uh, as a professor, gets caught up one day in the thought of what is quality. And he starts thinking about it too much. And he starts thinking about quality so much, like, what is quality? How to do fine quality? What is quality that it makes him insane? To the point where he ends up naked and laying in a floor and mm -hmm. unable to move and reaching some kind of accidental Zen place of I uncovered things that I shouldn't have thought about and it's destroying my mind. <laughs> and I've gone so far thinking about quality that it's opened up these other doors and then I've realized, and he becomes motionless. Like mm -hmm. he just becomes so focused as it's in here. He mm -hmm. becomes so much different when he sees the realities of the universe that it almost destroys him, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, it pretty much does. All right. Now, those of you who have read it and are fans of that or scholars of Zen and the Outer Motorcycle Maintenance are probably very angry for, <laughs> for that description. My point being is it reminded... Stick to Stan Freeberg impressions. <laughs> <laughs> Something you know about. <laughs> Barely. Uh, but you said it was disjointed and all these different stories going on at the same time. To me, it's very simple. She knows this guy. She works with them. They have a philosophical discussion. He decides to apply this and ends up for two weeks realizing that he can live in this comatose uh, zombie-like state and then says, I'm going to apply this to nothing is real, <laughs> to this, mm -hmm, again, mm -hmm. the Zen person kind of realization that the reality doesn't exist and nothing is real. And then walks into a wall and gets trapped in there. And the narrative that she is explaining the story to the cops, that's how it's being told to us, right? Please or we, come to the we bank. don't know, Please, someone somebody. at the right. mental institute. Yeah, you're someone right. who's come to visit her. But come to the bank, come to the bank is really a cool repetition. I just love everything about this. It's when we hear him in the walls. It's a classic Obler hook to address the audience. And yeah. we know that something terrible has happened. She immediately rules out that it's a robbery. And so mm -hmm. you're really left with like, what's going on? Yeah. And that to me is the glorious Arch Obler first draft of like, great hook. Someone probably just said, <laughs> hey, uh, you want to come to the bank with me? Yes. Story Hold on, let me get my dictaphone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it is 
compelling because it's so clearly emotionally powerful to her, but it's such a mundane thing to ask. Come to the bank with me. I like the idea that it's a bank because she has to break in. Yeah, narratively, that's significant because mm-hmm. it's a place that she can't, can't access. access. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's why I like it. No, that's I think it's why very it's there. smart. Different from what Tim's saying is I think this is a very simple Obler story, and I mean that as a compliment. I think there are other stories like uh, The Dream we talked about recently where he has two or three different stories. Here I think he's got a pretty straight line of a story. To me... I felt we were moving toward her getting to that wall somehow or some resolution with the wall. I felt like the insanity was just a wah, wah, wah. I mean, Mm. I'm being an armchair writer, but I was in this going, oh, the obvious thing is she's going to sit down and learn these same techniques and try to go into the wall. Oh, I I had this end in my head where they're both just stuck in the wall together. I never thought of that. Or something like that. I just, and again, that's me projecting and here's, what I wanted onto the story, but it just and I've done petered that, out. Where I'm like, I wish they would have done this, so I don't have any problem with it. I never thought of that. What I enjoyed so much was her frustration. Like, oh my God, he's trapped in the wall. He's trapped in the wall. Somebody please listen to me. Which made her final monologue so well performed and oh, written. Oh, when she's yeah. talking about, like, he's yeah. going to be in there, a moldering skeleton. And and she's so sad, and she's so destroyed, and it's mm-hmm. so horrifying, and it ain't a happy ending. Here's the stories that I was hearing that started and stopped. At the start, it's her story. She's got the story to tell. She's devastated. Uh, and the story she's telling is about this co-worker that she is obviously in love with, and it's pretty obvious for his end that he's just kind of using her as a sounding board. He is specifically the nice thing he says about her is you're a good listener. <laughs> and, and he's going on and on about the human mind and concentration. Mm-hmm. And it's clear he can't concentrate because the waiter brings over the juice. That's for her. <laughs> um, he's distracted for as much as he talks about the power of the focused human mind. He's just scattered. Okay. And then that kind of transitions into, oh, but then he can really concentrate. He spends two weeks in this trance-like state. Then it really is like, I'm going to walk into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does. Clearly loses his concentration. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can't get out. Just halfway through the wall. Oh, it was her juice. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> But they didn't, to my ears, finish that story of their relationship, his self-delusion, which turned out to be not self-delusion, but even at the start it really indicated, like, he is kidding himself and her about what this is. That's an issue with 30 minutes to tell a story. And I'm not saying that as an accusation. I think that's the story I got told at the start. I hear yeah. that. He has that almost supervillain monologue when she comes and wakes him up from yeah. this coma he's in and he says i'll be able to do anything i desire do you hear me anything 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 except walk through a wall all the way <laughs> all the way <laughs> all the way uh and as far as putting my own twist on the end the there's probably thinks that guy just left her and this whole thing of him walking through a wall is that's her being nuts okay. that's the question i that's wanted to ask because it's yep. put forward by the judge and i didn't know if ober was throwing that out as a possibility or if he was just trying to add to her frustration so the question is, did he ever exist? Is he a figment of her imagination from the start? Or, again, 
did he exist, but did he steal her money and run away? And she created the walking into the wall thing to deal with mm-hmm. that. And is stuck on come to the bank because the first come mm-hmm. to the bank in linear order mm-hmm. of the story is her telling Mr. Roth, mm-hmm. come to the bank with me. That's mm-hmm. the first time she says it is to get him to come there. And her plan is to talk him into running away with her. Mm-hmm. So if she obsesses on that, that's why she keeps telling people the same thing she told him in a mm-hmm. cyclical way. Come to the bank with me. Come to the bank with me. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what Obler intended. I think it makes a slightly more complicated reading of it. I think Obler is into more blunt forms of horror. I think he sure. intends it as he's really in that wall and he's now dying and she's insane. Which yeah. is the way I want it. Yeah. <laughs> because if I start getting layers like, well, maybe it was this and maybe it was that. And then all of a sudden we're in fight club, you know, like, I don't know what's real and not, and I don't know who's real and what's a figment and what's not. And, and I hate that. The fact that he figured out how to concentrate so hard he could walk in a wall and then got stuck in it and then has to scream for help and she goes crazy trying to get him out and then she axes a guy right yeah a yeah. Cop. she takes yeah she takes the cop out yeah before and, doing like a molotov cocktail with a paint yes, can in yes. the store next door <laughs> yes again think how frustrated you would be no he is he's in that wall and it's real and it, he did go into that wall right? but that's that was part of the whole disjointed aspect of the story for me is this guy has honed his mind to such a focused point like, I can walk through a wall, but didn't have the sense to ask someone, should I walk through a wall? <laughs> <laughs> or like, let me try this with just a fingertip first, or right. some just balsa. My... Or... So, right. How about we try the styrofoam first, Bill? Obert, I think, very purposefully is presented this guy as a blowhard, oblivious to the world around him but still convinced of his incredible mental superiority. Mm-hmm. And then Obler's eyes like, yeah, and he has that too. So it, is, it does make sense in the whole of the story that he has the focus to do this thing without the wisdom to actually know not to do it. Yeah. And it's strange that she's attracted to that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was thinking in the actual performance of that she gets this chance... Hopefully it was a fun opportunity for her to play this wildly over-the-top crazy character and then for those brief few flashbacks to be that doting love interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he likes to watch his eyes while he talks. (laughs) They're so bright and burning while he says crazy (laughs) things. One of the things, and this is a deep dive, I apologize. It's just a guy walking into a wall, Josh. (laughs) No. You're right. But it did make me think of that fine line between horror and comedy, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, oh, yeah. and I think this provides a classic, edifying example <laughs> of it. We have him walk through the wall, and we find out he's stuck in it. Mm-hmm. He's in there, and that is horrifying, partly because it's vague. We don't know what it means to be stuck Oh, yeah, it's like, how wall. do you get him out? It's, you start it's, sanding it's it out. Almost, <laughs> it's both a physical thing, it's both an existential thing. Is he half wall, half person and so that it's something they explored in star trek with those with stupid transporters tr- all the time <laughs> yeah but then for me as soon as he speaks that fine line of horror the <laughs> vagueness of it becomes specific when he's like help me i'm in a wall and i can't stand up you know what I mean? like suddenly it's specific and i think that's it comedy works on specificity and so all the vague horrors are now 
Oh, he's mashed in the wall. He must have his face up against it like a like a windshield or something. And suddenly the horror is gone for me. Everything you just said, that made it terrifying for me. Hearing him was horrifying. But then I wondered again, though, did Obler mean it as slightly comic? Because shortly after that, she has a line of dialogue when she's talking to this unknown person or to you as the listener. She says, what are you laughing about? It's not funny. So... As usual, I do think Obler has more of an arch <laughs> sense of humor here. Nice. <laughs> um, like I argued in Catwife, too, that I think he finds some of this dark stuff darkly mm. funny. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it takes you out. And I think that muffled voice for me moved it from scary to funny. And it moved it for me to, oh, no, horrifying. He's well, yeah, and for in me, there. have you been stuck in a wall before? Did mm, it bring yeah, home post-traumatic stress? <laughs> Closer to Eric, I think, on this one of, it's not so much his condition, it's her condition when she can hear him. Yes. I get that. Yes, that's exactly it. It's her yeah, what perspective. what it means to her. Yeah, that's the frustration. I, I, I just think... couldn't stop imagining him <laughs> saying things like, bring sandwiches. <laughs> I'm really hungry. <laughs> I think we should let him go. <laughs> Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh as we've been talking through this, I, th- I feel like I've got a better sense of what the cohesive whole was that seems so disjointed to me of they have this dysfunctional relationship and that all his nonsense, which I know this is the exact opposite of how Eric sees this, sort of like, oh, I have mental powers. I can walk through a wall. All it does is literalize their dysfunctional relationship of he is literally inaccessible to her, stuck in a place mm-hmm. of his own making, uh, and she's just going more and more crazy trying well, to get I think to you him. can take that to another level. It's like, Nobody will listen to her. She's a sounding board for yeah. him, and she's a lunatic to everyone else before she's actually a certifiable lunatic by <laughs> the end. And it is about people not listening. So maybe Arch did put a lot more thought into this than you're giving him credit for, Joshua. <laughs> oh, I give him credit for thinking too I'm much. sorry, Arch Obler, <laughs> that I took you for granted and did not appreciate your... This often, Second draft. This often happens when one of us really loves something. I'm not saying this is a terrible no, I know. Uh, lights out. I'm just saying I feel like he has, again, so many strong ideas that he right. could go in and really focus yep. them and turn it back in for a better grade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, I, I've never been able to get a straight answer on this. Did it used to be pronounced flammable? Because <laughs> that comes up now and then. Instead of flammable, and I've it happened in here again. Yeah, he, he did say flammable. He said flammable in here, and I've seen, I've heard it in a few older movies. And I wonder if their mistakes are, or if it was pronounced flammable, because first of all, it makes more sense. True. I thought I'd throw that out there. It always catches me off guard when I yeah. when it comes. Yeah, now flammable sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it does. It sounds like <laughs> like right? flammable. Like this could become like, a flan. Like you could be taken advantage of by a flim flam man. You're <laughs> flim flammable. <laughs> there is a Dick Tracy villain. <laughs> nice work. Uh, this monologue, and I want to read it. Just the bones of a man, bones of dead, decaying flesh and worms, and the skull will talk to you and ask you, why didn't you help me? So I ask you again, please, please, won't you come to the bank? Is he in the wall? Did he even exist? I, that ending, to me, is beautifully written, and I love the performance. Just oh, yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. I feel so bad for her, and she's so tired. She's so tired at the mm-hmm. end, and she's crazed. And we should give Ober credit. At this period of time, 
there just weren't a lot of leading roles for women in horror. Mm. I mean, this is her show. This actor. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're nitpicking the script and the arc of it, but for a juicy role... This is a great role for a yeah, and actor, the, uh, female actor. The overwrought hysterical woman is sort of a trope, but it's also just a great opportunity to let loose and become the focus of a story. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm being a total nerd and I don't know enough about grammar, but shouldn't it be flammable? <laughs> <laughs> Go to the bank is come to the bank when you're already at the bank. Come oh my to me God. at the bank. I'm being really nerdy, and it's not a legitimate criticism. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there for any grammar nerds out there. Because she's in the insane asylum, so she should be telling people, go to the bank. Come to right? the bank with me. Yeah. Go to the bank is go for me, I think. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to the bank down there, y'all. It's <laughs> <laughs> a question we can't possibly answer. We can't know. Our shoulder's dead. We don't know what he meant. Let's vote. I will start. I find it to be a uh, classic that stands the test of time. It's up there in at least my top 50, if not my top 20, of most enjoyable shows. I really enjoyed well, this a lot. I, I don't know it. that I would call it a classic, but it certainly stands the test of time. I, As I said, I had my nitpicks with the, the script, little touches that didn't seem to pay off for me, but maybe I'm wrong when I think about it. But I just love Arch Opler. <laughs> yeah, I would not call this a classic. It Definitely stands the test of time. I echo what Tim said. It also reminded me of what I love about this podcast. <laughs> Sorry to be narcissistic, but or what this podcast forces me to do. Because my first listen to this, I was just like, eh, guy gets stuck in the wall. Like, it really did not have a huge effect on me uh, at all. But um, Another it, day at the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, lady. If I had a nickel. Yeah. The wall is just filled with people. (laughs) (laughs) Put an axe in a cop, okay? That wall? That's the wall full of philosophers. (laughs) But I actually really like when we feature an episode like this that my first listening of it is like, eh. Because almost always, uh, particularly with someone like Arch Obler, when I am forced to go back and listen to it with different ears and think about, you know, I I can't just sit on the podcast and go, eh, here's a guy, a guy went into a wall. I have to <laughs> dig in, and it's always more rewarding. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, I always learn something about listening better and uh, honing analytical skills. And, and so I got a lot more out of it featuring it on the podcast. So thank you, Chris Stapps. Yes. Oh, yes. Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. You'll find other episodes there. Uh, that's the way to get a hold of us. If you'd like to send us a message or make a request of your own, you can comment on podcast episodes. You can click on links to our social medias. Uh, there's lots of different ways to get a hold of us. And please do, no matter what you want to say. Yes, you can also go to patreon.com slash themorals and support this podcast. Um, it really does help us. It takes us... <laughs> A lot of time to record this. I know it just sounds like it's uh, three guys sitting around saying crap, um, which it is. Don't get me wrong, uh, but a lot more work goes into it. So if you're able to support it, we really appreciate it. You can also go to iTunes, write a review. That helps us get more listeners who we might also ask for money from. (laughs) And uh, you could also go to Facebook and join um, our mysterious old Facebook listening group or whatever the heck we call it. Uh, We're currently running a poll to see what our listeners' uh, very favorite episode is that we have featured in 2019 on the podcast. And your least favorite. And we're going to be giving an award to the best and worst. So please uh, join that group and vote. 
Also, if you would like to see us perform live, not the podcast, but actual radio drama, we as a theater group also do live recreations of old-time radio shows and sometimes even original work. Uh, please check us out if you want to come see us. And you can find our schedule at MysteriousOldRadioListeningSociety.com. This is November of 2019, and we have lots of dates that will be announced very soon. Um, so, go. Uh, all right. Uh, what do we got next? Next is something that I chose. And since we're getting into the snowy December season, I'm going to make us listen to an episode from Fear on 4 called The Snowman Killing. Until then... Look out! Mr. Rock, please, I, I've got my ear close to the wall. If you're in there, answer me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.